0: It was a normal day. It was uh, it was a Tuesday. I got up, got ready to go to the church. I was preaching at Louisville Christian Church, and but there was a little different that day as I was uh, also teaching part time at Johnson a uh, couple of classes on preaching, and it was my time to speak in chapel at. Johnson Bible College. Now, Chapel at Johnson is pretty amazing. They have six or seven hundred students in there, and they worship, and they get into the worship, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great time to be there. And I was supposed to deliver the message that day, and just before I was walking down the steps to head to the podium, uh, Wilbur Reed, the vice president of administration there jumped up in front of me and said, I have an announcement to make. Two airplanes have just flown into the Twin Towers in New York City, and we suspect it is a terrorist attack. Thank you. Mark will now speak to you. So you can imagine I was dumbfounded as to what to say about that but I did preach my sermon that day and uh, hopefully had an impact on somebody where were you 20 years ago yesterday when those planes, four of them in all wreaked havoc on our nation caused countless numbers of death extreme amounts of damage to places in our country brought us us all to a place where we really didn't know what to do or how to react to that 20 years later we still uh, we cringe every time we think of what those terrorists did to our country now we would believe and we would say that they are following a false god that they are mistaken what kind of person does that kind of damage to a place thinking that they are following a god they are in error you know our god is totally different their god tells them to hate and to kill anybody that doesn't think like them our god tells us to love even to love the people that are our enemies and to reach out to them and to try to bring them in to our beliefs and to change their minds. We started a series, Disciple, a few weeks ago because we want to think about what it really means to follow our God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible the great I Am, whose Son, Jesus Christ, is God in the flesh who came to this earth to set up His church and and lead us to follow Him, to become more like Him and to become all that God would have us to be. And so we started this series. Our church has a purpose statement and it says connecting people to Christ to make devoted disciples. And we say that devoted disciples have some characteristics about them. That they will worship together, that they will grow spiritually, that they will serve humbly, that they will give cheerfully, and they will live faithfully. And so we began this series to sort of go through those ideas and think about how we do those things that God has called us to. Last week we looked at the idea of worshiping together. And today we're going to talk about growing spiritually. But you know, like those terrorists, we can get off track. We can begin to go the wrong direction if we're not careful. So we need to think about this idea of of growing spiritually so that we grow in the right way, the way that God would have us to go. So I raise this question, why is it important for believers to grow spiritually? You know, again, this week, the short answer to that is because that's what Jesus calls us to. But let's delve a little deeper into this idea of spiritual growth and maturing in our faith. You know, some might say just have faith and live how you want to, but that's not really to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at the last two verses there. Now if you remember, our theme for this year uh, comes out of 2 Peter chapter 1. Our theme is everything we need. And there in chapter 1, we're reminded that God has given us everything we need to live the godly life, the kind of life that He wants us to live. And we are even told in that first chapter that it's not enough to have faith. You need faith, but he says, Add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and kindness and love. All of that is part of what it means to grow spiritually. Peter adds in his letter as he goes on through it, Be careful not to follow uh, false teachers. They will lead you astray. And he reminds us that one day this world is going to come to an end. And at that point, everybody's going to have to give an account of their lives. And so he closes out his letter then with these last two verses. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned beyond your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness, and fall from your secure position. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So I want us to break this down and think about it just a minute. Verse 17 there, the beginning phrase says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned... You see, the end of this world as we know it will come one day you know he even begins in chapter 3 uh, reminding his readers that he wrote both of his letters to remind them of the important teachings of the church and here in chapter three he goes through and reminds us that the end times are coming the Bible says the one the world one day as we know it is going to end And he reminds us here in the beginning of chapter 3 that he's writing this to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. In verse 3 he says, there are going to be scoffers coming. There are going to be people that are going to ridicule believers. They're going to say, yeah, where's your God at? He said he was coming back. Where's he at? Uh, this God is slow. Look at all the sin in this world. There's no God. People are going to mock And they're going to scoff at us because we believe. And he even says, in fact, God may seem slow in his coming. But he says there, that's because to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So when God says, wait a minute, it might take a little while. But we have to hold firm in our faith. And Peter tells us that God is patient because he wants to give everybody an opportunity to turn to him. So Peter reminds us that this Lord is coming back. He even says when he comes back, nobody's going to know. He's going to be like a thief in the night. You know, we don't know when the thief is coming. If we do, we would prepare ourselves. It'll be a surprise. No one knows the day and the hour when the Lord is going to return. Look at verse 10 there in chapter 3. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. It's going to happen one day. You know, I think we sometimes get caught up in the things of this world, even uh, those of us that are believers, and we say things that really... I don't know if we believe or they really don't make sense. I, I've caught myself, you know, talking about, you know, the day that Jesus returns. And I say, well, you know, I hope it doesn't happen for a little while. I want to watch my grandkids grow up. I want to see what my, what my grandkids are, are going to become. But you know what? If Jesus comes back today, if they are believers, they're going to be with us. Even the little children, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Wherever we go, this new heaven and this new earth, they're going with us. Shouldn't we want to be there? If you go on and look, look down at, at uh, verse 14, we, uh, Peter, uh, uh, Peter says we should look forward to that day. The day when the Lord returns. It's going to be a different place. There'll be no more pain and no more suffering and no more crying and no more evil and no more sickness and no more deception and no more turmoil and no more COVID and no more of these stupid masks. If we really have faith, shouldn't we want to be there? Peter is reminding us that it's going to happen. That one day the Lord is coming back. But, you know, we can be led astray by that. I heard about this, uh, this new game warden. He was a young guy. It was his first day on the job. And he goes down to the lake, and he's going to check people for a fishing license, you know. And he comes across this one guy, and he's got a cooler full of fish. And he says, let me see what's in your cooler. And he opens it up, and the guy said, yeah, these are my fish. And he says, well, do you have a fishing license? The guy says, no, I don't have a fishing license. I wasn't fishing. These are my pet fish and I brought them from my house and every day I bring them down here to the lake and I dump the cooler out and let them swim around and then after a little while I whistle and they come and they jump back in the cooler and I take them back home. The new young game warden, he, he really didn't believe that but he said well, you'll have to prove it to me, show me. So the guy dumps them in the water and he just stands there, and the game warden says, well, are you going to whistle for him? I said, what are you talking about? The fish, are you going to whistle for him? The guy says, what fish? <laughs> you know, he pulled one over on the game warden. New young guy. You know, we can be led astray. We can, we can get the wool pulled over our eyes. That's why spiritual growth is so important. Peter goes on to say in the second part of verse 17, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure positions. See, Peter's warning us against being led astray. So we must guard against being led astray. You know, there's all kinds of teachings out there. Uh, you, You can flip channels on the TV and you can hear things that you would never believe uh, that somebody could, could twist what the Bible says that they say. You know, there, there are people out there that say, you know, if you're really a Christian, you're going to dress a certain way, and you're not going to dance, and you're not going to listen to rock music. And they make that to be one of the priorities for attending their church. And then there are people to the other extreme that say, it doesn't matter how you live. Just live however you want to. As long as you raise your hand and say you believe in Jesus, you're covered. And then there are some churches that they, they teach. All they, want, all they want you to know is if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be rich. You're going to have all kinds of money. Just make sure you give 10% to our church. And then there are some churches that say, well, the only reason why you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. I guess the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith because he had some infirmities that he prayed to be healed and God told him no. And some teach that if you just send money to them, you'll be blessed. But you know, those things are not what the Scripture teach. Now, you can twist some certain verses to make people believe those things. But that's not what church is all about. That's part of why we're doing this sermon series. Because we want to make sure that we understand what a disciple is and think about what is important. And the problem is that we can be led to believe that faith in Jesus is all about what I want. And God's just supposed to answer my prayers and make my life great. In some places... You know, people even try to manipulate people to be like me, to be like us, instead of being more like Jesus. You know what else can happen to believers is they can become apathetic. Hebrews chapter 2, the writer warns, we must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. You know, we can, we can get lazy in our spiritual walk. We can, you know, kind of say, Well, I have prayed a long time. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to read, read the Bible. I think I've read it through. Uh, so I don't really need to read that. And I, you know, I don't really need to go to church. Just kind of a waste of time. But you know, Jesus wants us to do all of that. And He wants us to do that because that draws us near to Him. And He wants us to follow Him and His teaching and to be His devoted disciple. He wants us to come together and to worship together. Last week, we talked about that. And He wants us to grow spiritually, to mature. And that's never going to end. There's never going to come a point when God's going to look down and say, You... You have grown all you need to grow. Don't grow any more spiritually. God wants us to continuously to grow. And part of why we come together is to encourage each other in that. Hai Jung Si was an Asian man. He moved his family into a pretty much uh, all-white neighborhood. And immediately, he began to get threats. Some teenagers would knock on his door, ring his doorbell, throw rocks at his house, yell racial slurs, and this went on for months, every night. He reported to the police, but they couldn't seem to catch the teenagers. They would do this in the middle of the night. He put up cameras and finally caught them on tape, but the police still couldn't stop it. He shared the video of these teenagers doing this with one of his neighbors. This neighbor posted it on Facebook, and she began to get calls from other neighbors, and she established a a sign-up list, and one of the neighbors would sign up to stand outside the house and guard it every night. That went on for five months. There were 50 different neighbors that participated in helping to stand guard on this house. You know, that's a picture of what the church is. When somebody starts slipping away in their faith, we, we are to come to their side. We are to stand guard and help prevent Satan from attacking them and pull them back. Because people can be led astray. And they can fall away. But here's what Peter says in verse 18. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, we mature in our faith as we seek to grow in those two areas. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, Peter says, But like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer talks about graduating from milk to solid food. We are to mature as Christian people so that we, he says, can distinguish good from evil. I like what J.I. Packer says in his book, Knowing God. God intends that all Christians should grow. Parents of newborns find great joy in them but imagine the distress they would feel if months and years went by and the baby still remained a baby, smiling and kicking in the crib, but never growing. We should not allow ourselves to forget that God must know comparable distress when we, His born-again children, fail to grow in grace. The general idea of growth covers change, development, Enlarging, gaining strength, growing energy, advancing, deepening, ripening, and maturing. You see, God wants us to grow spiritually as we go about our lives. Peter mentions two ways. First, God's grace. That word is "chorus" in the original Greek language. It means uh, unmerited favor. It means... Receiving something that we don't deserve. God gives us something that we don't deserve. Part of that is His forgiveness, but that's not all His grace is. God also gives us His Holy Spirit. Now we're saved even in our infancy as a Christian. When we commit our lives to Christ, we are automatically saved, but we don't work our way to heaven. But still, God wants us to grow. God wants something greater. Romans eight twenty nine says that we should be conformed to the image of His Son. And when we place our faith in Christ and, and we repent and tell God we're sorry and we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we are baptized, the Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit. Now that Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. And and help us, but he does not force us. We can resist that spirit. But if we let that spirit work, we will begin to grow. In in the book of Galatians, chapter five, verse twenty two and twenty-three, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. That is what the spirit will produce in your life. If you let that spirit work and, and you seek to know Jesus. And it says it will produce love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we, we let that spirit work. R.C. Rye was a theologian in the 19th century. He said, when I speak of, of growth and grace, I only mean increase in the degree, size, strength, vigor, and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in the believer's heart. He goes on to say, when I speak of a man growing in grace I simply mean this. It is the sense of sin becoming deeper, of faith becoming stronger, of hope becoming brighter, of love more extensive, of spiritual mindness more marked, He feels more of the power of godliness in his own heart. He manifests more of it in his life. He is going on from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. You see, when we grow in grace, we tend to become more of what God would have us to be. He also says here to grow in knowledge of Christ. The word in the Greek, gnosko, it doesn't just mean to know facts and statistics. You know, there are plenty of people that are spiritually immature that can tell you who Jesus is, even memorize Scripture. But this kind of knowing has to do with knowledge of the person, to understand the person, to have a relationship with the person. You know, you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ just like you do with anybody else. You spend time with Him. You spend time in worship and, and prayer and in the Word and reflecting on the Word. And you know, that won't happen if you don't have some kind of plan to do it. And we don't have the time to get into, you know, how you, how you plan out a devotional life, but if you see me after the service, I can help you with that, or one of our elders will be glad to help you uh, learn how to do that if you don't know. But as we grow and mature You see, the point is that we come to know this Jesus and then we begin to think like Him. And then we begin to act like Him. That's what it means to grow in knowledge of Christ. You know, I talk to so many Christians and and they think that growing in Christ just means I stop my sin. It's kind of been my experience. The harder you try to stop sin, the more it is with you. Paul said, you know, it's standing right there beside me. Now Christ wants us to stop that. But the key to stopping sin is not to try harder to be better. It's to come to know Jesus more. And the more you come to know Him, the more you are like Him. I like what Greg Smalley says. He's a preacher and a... uh, Christian family therapist. And he says he was having a problem with weeds in his yard. And so he ran to the hardware store and he got this little spray bottle of weed killer. And he began to spray that all over his yard. And he said the the, the weeds turned a little bit brown, but they didn't die, but all the grass around them died. And so all he had was a bunch of brown spots with weeds growing out of them. And he goes to an expert horticulturist and asks him. And he said, if you want to get rid of the weeds, you've got to grow healthy grass. The healthy grass will choke the weeds out. And it's kind of like that with our spiritual life. The healthy Christian that knows Jesus, that grows in grace and grows in knowledge, will choke the sin out of his life. Well, Peter ends the last line there and he says, to him... That's Christ. Be glory both now and forever. Amen. And that's our real goal in spiritual growth is to bring glory to God. So here's our connection. The more we grow spiritually, the more we will find contentment in this life and gain confidence in eternal life. You know, the, the main reason I think so many fail at being a disciple is they come with the wrong motives. Some come to Jesus because they want to get what they can get. They want stuff, and they think, somebody told them, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be rich, and you're going to have all the stuff you want. Another problem is people try to eliminate the sin in their life and live a perfect life. And neither one of those works. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him, that's Christ, who gives me strength. And that's where we gain the strength to live the life that God calls us to is to grow in His grace and to know His Son, Jesus Christ. If we put our efforts in to cultivating our spiritual growth, accept God's grace initiated through the Holy Spirit and seek to know Jesus on a personal level, we're going to find our lives will be changed. They'll be changed to bring glory to God. Yesterday, Jeanette got a text message from my daughter-in-law, Jessica. And Jessica said, I need to tell you something about your grandson. All the 911 stuff had been on the TV all weekend and he began to ask questions. What does that mean, 911? And so my son and his wife sat him down and talked to him about the terrorist attacks that happened 20 years ago. And they explained to him that evil people, people who thought they were following what God wants to do, but they were following the wrong God, flew planes into buildings and killed people. And that there were brave firemen and rescue people and police officers who rushed in to try to save people and did all sorts of things, and some of them lost their lives. And that there was a memorial wall with all the names of people who lost their lives. And so my grandson, five years old, Sullivan, he said, okay. He took it all in. He's a deep thinker at five years old. And he said, Mom, I think I just want to go pray for a minute. (laughs) And she said, Well, that's, that's good. You want me to go pray with you? He said, No, I want to pray by myself. And he went over to the couch and he sat down and he began to pray out loud Dear Lord, would you please be with all the families that lost loved ones on 911? And would you please be with all those firemen and rescue people and, and police officers that responded to that? And even today, keep us safe. And Lord, would you stop all the wars? Now at five years old, I want to suggest to you that that kid is already starting to grow spiritually. And I had to sit back and think to myself, maybe I could learn a lesson from him about spiritual growth. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So part of our spiritual growth sometimes is to just simply take on faith that God is real and God works in this world and we seek Him out. We come to grow in His grace and we grow in knowledge of His Son Jesus and let Him do the work that He's promised to do. Let's pray. God, we thank You today for Jesus and what he means to us. And for your call on our lives, Lord, to to be disciples, to be followers. And help us, Lord, to take that seriously and to become uh, more and more, day by day, people who understand grace, who know Jesus, and who seek to follow in his ways. None of us will be perfect this side of heaven, but Lord, help us to realize our faults, and to continuously repent, and to begin to grow day by day to be more like Jesus. For it's in His name that we pray and praise. Amen.